Hello and welcome to Upfront on the Voice of America. My name is Jackson Vungani. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, with around 3,000 tribes and 2,000 languages, Africa is known for its rich history, traditions, and culture. The continent has become an increasingly popular destination for cultural tourism, whether it's participating in traditional dances, learning about age-old rituals, or sharing meals with local families. Cultural tourism fosters meaningful exchanges that transcend mere sightseeing. In the last few years, there has been a trend of global travelers or tourists visiting the continent in search of authentic and immersive experiences, like the one provided by my next guest, Alexei Ngavo Karejea, a cowboy and founder of Ibere Diabigogwe in northern Rwanda. Alexei, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Good for to your see you. Nice to so meet you. So you have such a very interesting and beautiful concept. I want you to talk to us about it. What is Ibere Diabigogwe? Uh, actually, uh, Ibere Diabigogwe is a tourism destination now in Rwanda, which is actually trending. Uh, we have like beautiful farm with beautiful landscape, mm. and the, the, in the landscape you can find cows. So when you get there, we make you Rwandan cowboy. Okay. And cowgirl, of course, if you are like girl. W w what is the the symbolic, uh, I guess, importance of cows in Rwandan culture? Uh, actually, uh, in Rwanda, cows is one of the main pillars of our culture and heritage. Uh, Cows is a symbol of love. If it wanna love you so much, the best gift will be a cow. And it's a symbol of richness. Mm. So for the one to be considered himself like yeah. he would be he has to have many cows. Right. Yeah. If you don't have cows in Rwanda, so you can't discuss business with the rich man. Right. <laughs> so yeah. the visitors that come to visit Ibere Jabigogwe, what do, what do they do? What uh, kind of experiences do they? Uh, uh, the most go thing we we show them it's our beautiful farms, our beautiful landscape, which they really appreciate. Mm. Another thing we have it's 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 culture, of course. So the combination of cows and 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 the and the culture the, around cows. And the, yeah, like how we treat our cows, the, the, what you cowboys do when they are glazing cows. Mm. I mean, like how we have like different games we play during when we, we are glazing cows. Mm. Like we have high jumping game, have stick game. We sing for our cows. We give them traditional lunch and, and you dinner. You mean the guests? So give yeah, them the guests yeah, lunch. We give to the guests, yeah, of course, right. not to the cows. Yeah. yeah, so and they really enjoy that. And we sometimes dance for them when they want. They mm. have booked the tour. They can do How camping. long are these tours? They it take uh, four hours for half day tour, and then full day tour it can take like ten hours, and then we have like two days when you want to camp in this green hills. It's a very interesting concept. How did you start it? Uh, Where did you get the inspiration for it? Actually, uh, I, I, I grew up in Ibikogwe, and that's my home, mm. and even my parents grew up there. So, uh, but I have never seen any person coming there. I've never seen any tourists. Any come. outside visitors coming? No. Right. Even any newspaper, like trying to highlight the beauty, the beauty of, of my the area. Right. Yeah. Mm. So then I said, I can use my social media. Let me try. Because by that time, I didn't have any platform. So I said, let me try to, to use social media to promote my home. And I, I really wanted, like, I wanted the world to see the beauty of my home. Yeah, that is my. Well, my so, you, so you started off on social media. Yeah, I started. And uh, you were posting videos about your yeah, area. Yeah, photos, yeah. videos, what we do with cows, mm. 
how like how we interact with them you know were so you surprised at the interest uh, the people yeah, have had actually in actually yeah. I was surprised because yeah. I didn't know it would take like it would take me here to this level coming here in the US mm. to talk about cows I never expect that wow that's yeah. amazing so what is the impact that your business has had on the community on the local uh, community we involve uh, like um, like uh, locals who can do waving uh, who can do dancing like those who do traditional dances mm. those who do who sing for cows you know we have um, uh, many guides who guide my visitors when I'm not allowed, even when I'm allowed, but we can have like a big group. Mm. So they, we ha I have like, well, like core workers. Right. Yeah. So how, how long have you been in business now? Like two years and a half. Two years and a half. And yeah. the business has been growing. Yeah, it is. A lot really of interest. Growing, and a lot of interest. A lot of this is mainly because of social media. Yeah, of course. So social media, especially Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, so I have many followers on Twitter. But now we have different platforms. We even have a website, YouTube, so you can find us everywhere. You know. That's even amazing. If you type on, like if you go and type on Google mm. and type on Google, you can see our activities now. Why is it important for any tourist that is coming to Rwanda for them to come to Iberia Jabigogwe? Uh, actually, it's the first thing, if you want to enjoy the Leo uh, life of Rwandan people, come to Bigogwe and we show you how we live. Not like, like don't go in hotels and no. Mm -hmm. We show you the Leo life the of Rwanda. The authentic Rwandan experience. The exact yeah. authenticity of Bigogwe yeah. makes you happy. Like, we give you the best milk you can ever try. Like, milk with cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> fresh milk. Fresh milk with Directly form. from the, from the cow's cow. udder. Exactly. Yeah. So that makes you, like, we enjoy that. I love it. Yeah. Alex Ngabo Karajia, thank you so much for talking to us about Ibele Gogwe. Thank you, too, for, for, for I look forward to visiting. Can't wait to host you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, take care, my brother. Thank you. Interactive, fast-paced, upfront on the Voice of America, connecting you on the African continent. The Voice of America News presents the Upfront Show with Jack from Ottawa, Washington. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, oh. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. Let's go to Accra in Ghana. The Labadi neighborhood located along the coast of the Atlantic Ocean in Ghana's capital, Accra, is known for its vibrant arts and cultural scene. It's also home to Isaac Kone, a trailblazing visual artist that uses his art to raise awareness about education, environmental and social justice issues for the youth in his community. Isaac Kone grew up in this coastal community and as a young man hawked food to local tourists and fishermen in the neighborhood. But even as a successful world-renowned artist, he never left the area. He reflects on his early days as an artist. Some years ago, I was just a street hawker, a boy who sells both foods on the street and throughout this community. During those days, I once met an artist who has an open studio. It teaches people how to paint and all that, but I didn't go to him formally. So what I do is I only sell food to him, and then when he buys, I make sure I don't take my money. I leave the money with him so I can go and come and watch him paint. Isaac says that he now uses his art to highlight the socioeconomic struggles faced by the youth in his community 
especially around the lack of education and other resources. He mainly uses old learning sleds or chalkboards to create his artwork. You know, growing up in this community actually taught me a lot. I realized there are so much we're facing with in here. This is what actually moved my mind from not, you know, not just doing art for the beauty of it, but rather doing art to solve problems. So, so if you can see what I'm currently doing, I'm mainly working with learning material, which is the slate, and old learning material, which was for a basic, you know, setup, like for a basic startup of school, where a teacher will give you a chalk, a colored chalk or a black and white chalk, you know, to write on. But originally, uh, they are like this, you know. They come with writing on there, and then the back is so blank. So when teachers are not even in the class, kids can learn on their own, you know, by going through this side or probably writing behind. I want people to know about us here, and I want people to believe in, you know, kids that are less privileged in society because you'll be surprised with the kind of energy they possess, the kind of wisdom, you know, they, they share, the kind of love they share. So I personally want to see a very united community. This is all I hope to achieve with this community. And with that unity, we can stretch arms to other places and, we, you know, we can be known internationally. Currently, I think I'm dealing with between 15 to 20 kids, main guys who, like, are year 247 working with me. But from time to time, you know, there are some filthy ones that drop in almost every day. So we keep increasing in numbers. Most of these artworks behind me, the acrylic ones are the basic medium I train them with. You know, I get them those things and the canvases and, you know, they, they, they paint themselves. They paint whatever they want to paint. If I realize they're picking up a style, then I help them polish it up and they become BS. You know, so this is what they do to also support themselves in a way. Because doing this and then people come in here and they like what they do and make sure they sell it to them on commercial basis, you know, to also be able to find themselves sometimes. My name is Victoria Sakandi. I attend school at the community. I stay at an area at Labadi where Uncle Isaac performs at. I've been really inspired by him so after school. I come in, he teaches me how to draw because I want to be a great artist in future. This is Upfront of the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Fungani. The 2023 AFCON tournament is finally over. Host nation Cote d'Ivoire lifted the much coveted trophy after defeating Nigeria's Super Eagles 2-1 in a thrilling finals match at the Alassane Ouattara Stadium in Abidjan. The Elephants had been almost counted out of the tournament after their stunning loss to Equatorial Guinea in the group stages. Their victory has been described as a fairy tale comeback. According to CAF President Patrice Motsepe, about 2 billion people watched the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations. My colleagues Mokbil Yabaro and Mike Hove covered the tournament and joined me to look back at some of the highlights of what some have said was the most exciting AFCON ever. 
gentlemen, thank yes, you so much for joining me. Now, uh, listen, y'all were in the front row, especially for him, he was in You're Abidjan. Right. But you covered this extensively. Would you say this was one of the most exciting AFCON you've watched in a long time? For sure, I'd say at least about a decade back, this is probably one of the more exciting uh, AFCONs. I think the, the storylines, the continual storylines that were in the entirety of the tournament really made it that much better. And for me, like I said, uh, being on the ground uh, and seeing it firsthand was like, it was amazing. I think AFCON really was a very, very well put together uh, tournament. I had a blast, man. And, and what a time it, to be in Abidjan. It did not disappoint, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was your first time in Abidjan. First time and in West Africa, at the time. Man. In West so Africa. I was like, man, <laughs> this, this was a great opportunity to, you know, see the culture. Yeah. The cuisine, the people. Like I said, Ivorians are some of the most hospitable people. Right. And to see the joy on their faces as their team continued to, you know, showcase you know they had a little bit of struggles right, in the group in the stages right. but nonetheless man they made it through it's and, and such what a great what comeback a story. story mike yeah. it know? has to be one of the best comeback stories uh, uh, in african football history of all time yeah right now. they were almost out was going to be very right. extremely embarrassing <laughs> to the ivorians <laughs> they were pre-tournament favorites but to see them come back and go all the way and win it you cannot write this in a script you couldn't have written this any better, man. <laughs> this had to be one of the best african football stories of absolutely all what was the energy like in abidjan it was exciting bro you can't even really measure it man because mm. th there was this one song that we keep talking about it was the quote-unquote unofficial song by uh tam sir yeah. uh coupe de marteau bro when i tell you when that song comes on yeah. You could be driving in traffic, you hear the song, you look over, the the drivers are dancing, <laughs> you go to like a restaurant and like a, the DJs will just be playing it or it'll just be playing anywhere. It's it's a ridiculously uh, infectious type of song yeah. and it was playing throughout the entirety of the city. I believe also he performed it uh, at uh, the finals. Uh, maybe, I think it was like halftime. Yeah, or like yeah, the, yeah. yeah. So uh, first, after first half was over, he performed it with some of these... Uh, some these dancers that they they dance uh they they're like a social media guys mm -hmm. so yeah man that song went viral and it's probably one of his first songs that have really taken off like mm -hmm. that so shout out to to tam sir for that too i mean speaking of social media this was also like one of the i guess the most covered on social media tournaments that we've had in, in a long time Such social yeah. media yeah. everywhere yeah this AFCON is definitely historic it had, like you said, two billion eyes on it. That's something that has not happened in a very long time. Yeah. Typically, AFCON has been the tournament that a lot of people just go, ah, they're going back to Africa to play football. But to see a lot of people, A, have the pride to want to go back to it, all the superstars were super excited to go back to their countries to represent. This is something that has not happened in a very, very long time. This mm. AFCON had every box fixed. All right, so going into the game, so before start the start of the tournament, mm -hmm. which were your predictions? To and be, how true did they come? To, to, oh, to be honest with you, bro, if this was anything similar to, like, March Madness brackets, right. that was bracket it was bracket busted. Forget about it. Yeah. Nothing you expected, because look at all the major teams, the bigger countries, mm -hmm. the quote-unquote giants of football, mm -hmm. right? The the Egypts, the Ghanas, yeah. uh, the Senegals, Algeria, the Moroccos, right. Algerias, Tunisias. Like, I think, like, top uh, the North African countries that were in there were, like, top six of the countries, mm -hmm. and only Morocco made Morocco it through made it to the knockout. Right. So, wow. it really showed you Senegal dominated, bro, in the group stages, and then they faced Les Elephants. Yeah. 
They played Ms. Elefanda, yeah. had nothing to lose, and then he lost. So I think this tournament really showed us uh, the beauty of the game, man. All it is is just 90 minutes plus extra time. Yeah. Some games went to PKs, yeah. but nonetheless, you know. Uh, many uh, goals scored. Too many goals yes. scored. And, and also, we've yeah. seen the quality, Jackson, yeah. right? The quality of the play um, in African football has risen throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Prior to, you know, the conversations would, say, would be like uh, exactly as Mike mentioned. Uh, this is just uh, some of our players from the, the European leagues are going to go play in this African tournament. They'll be back. No one's watching it. Yeah. Everybody was super excited to watch it, to find a way to watch it. One of the things I think to me that was super important uh, for the next AFCON will be how can we get more people accessibility Easily. to watch the mm -hmm. game, right? Absolutely. You, you would, because your normal stations are not carrying it. So mm. this is something else for, you know, some of our bigger American stations to potentially think about in the next... Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So we talked about the comeback, the great comeback story, obviously the champions, the, les elephants, the mm -hmm. elephants. What is the underdog story? What are the teams that surprised you? Oh, man, a lot. Uh, Cape Bird, definitely up there. Uh, Mauritania, definitely up there. Um, Angola. Uh, they, 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 they are t technically on the continent are a heavy puncher, but in comparison to the teams that we expect to get there, Angola definitely blew out the water. Um, I think those would be the standouts. And then, of course, I'll put Bafana Bafana for the sake right, of it. Right. Uh, merely because as much as South Africa has always been a Southern African giant, when you're looking at the continent, mm. it's been a very, very, very long time. It has been on the decline for a long time. It's been on the decline for a long time, to the point where... Even when AFCON started, a lot of South Africans were like, ah. Absolutely, right, right. And then they started seeing the changes. And even then, mm -hmm. people were still like, hmm. By the time they were playing um, Nigeria, funny story. I had a lot of South Africans that would do this. They would be like, listen, my heart is with Bafana Bafana. Right. But my money is with the <laughs> Super Eagles. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the funny thing is that I, I spoke to a couple of Nigerians who also said the same thing about the Super Eagles. Yeah, they yeah. didn't think. They say, you know, it was, used to be a solid team. program, right. but now it has kind of been on decline. But, but I don't even think it's that it's an on decline. I mean, True, to the point of the Super Eagles, they haven't been playing well recently. Mm -hmm. Up until AFCON, they had been drawing here with mm -hmm. teams way smaller. Where you're like, why, why are you drawing for yeah. this? Mm -hmm. um, however, what I will say is it also speaks to how the standards of football on the mm -hmm. continent have grown. So I don't think it's that uh, the standards in Nigeria, Ghana, and all that have dropped. Granted, they all had their own problems. Mm -hmm. But I think it also shows that a Cape Verde, for example, the standards of football have, have risen. Mm. In Angola, for example, the standards of football have risen. It just so happened that some of these teams walked into the tournament thinking that without putting in your A game, you can walk through right. it. And it just it, so happens to be out. Yeah. I also think another thing is, right, it, we tend to look at African football from the star perspective mm -hmm. only, right? We think Nigeria has Osimen by yep. himself. He's mm -hmm. going to be able to do much. I mean, he played a relatively well uh, tournament mm. in that he was just kind of like a disruptor, right? Right. He mm -hmm. wasn't really banging much goals, but because of what he brings, like the you, power. Yeah, and the stuff mm. you as a defender or a tactical manager you have to you have, have to, to shift towards him, right? Him, yeah. So from that perspective, I get it. But I think the game has moved from the perspective of just watching the one guy. like the one or two players yeah. can lead an entire team. Now I think it's more chemistry based, right? Mm -hmm. The Bafana Bafanas, the thing I loved about that team is that team, majority of them played together in the South African League, mm -hmm. right? I think the entire team was comprised mainly of just two teams. Mm. Right? Was, yeah. Like local teams. Local predominantly, team, right. yeah. Predominantly, yeah. Two, yeah. Right? Predominantly, it was Mamelodi Sundowns and, uh, and Orlando, and Orlando Pirates. Absolutely. Yeah. So that goes to show you that maybe chemistry 
is more important than star power because right. if star power, if you have star power, you got these big name stars, but they're playing with uh, some of their teammates that don't necessarily gel with mm -hmm. them or maybe are not even necessarily on the same level as mm -hmm. them, right? Mm -hmm. You as Osiman are expecting the ball to be here on your foot every it, cross. Yeah. But unfortunately, maybe your wingers can't get you the ball because maybe they don't play on that level. Right. So that becomes problematic. So mm -hmm. I think the development of the game, as Mike mentioned, is getting there for the other countries. But more importantly, the other countries are deciding maybe if we don't have this superstar talent, let's play player. together mm -hmm. more so than just two weeks right before a tournament and we'll have that chemistry and we'll gel more together. We've seen that in the Basketball Africa League, no? Angola, <laughs> Petra de Luanda, yes, we've right. we seen them. Right. The same team have playing together for a decade. So Ivory Coast invested a billion dollars mm -hmm. in this, uh, you know, in building the infrastructure. Do you think they, they, Beautiful, they get man. their money I, back? I, I absolutely think they do. I think what they showed uh, in hosting this tournament just showcased, man, how important the game is for them. If we just think historically, right? How, what football means to them, the time of Didier Drogba mm -hmm. and how they were civil unrest in the country and football unified the country together. Uh, so this is not just a game for them. This is something more than that. Mm -hmm. And it really showed how important it is for the regular person that maybe can't even uh, necessarily afford to go to the games. They mm -hmm. were supporting by watching, going to these uh, fan, uh, fan, fan watch parties, parties or, yeah. watch party or yeah. something, or just even at a specific, uh, we went to certain places in urban districts where they would just have the, uh, the the TV on watching the games, you know, while still working. Mm. So it's it's a beautiful thing what it meant for Ivory Coast to win. I heard earlier that there was issues getting into the stadium. Was the that tickets. something that you witnessed? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think to me. Uh, CAF definitely had the right idea in trying to make a seamless process, right? They wanted the challenges that happened in Cameroon and Egypt where people were just lining up in front of the stadiums, making these long, massive lines, uh, make it difficult for them. So what they did was they moved that out the way you cannot or you could not purchase uh, at the stadium. But what that did was it flooded the servers on the website and then they maybe crashed. They crashed to some of the yeah. sites. Maybe I don't know necessarily if they crashed or not, but the... The, the tickets were unavailable a lot of times for a lot of people. So Even though the stadium was empty. There we go. Empty sometimes. There, yeah. there we go. The so, yeah, so there was that problem. To me, that was the biggest issue that mm. they had in this specific tournament. I even had an instance where I was uh, right in front of the... Uh, uh, State Felix tournament uh, stadium where I was doing a live hit for Africa 54 and uh, some uh, fans that were actually going to watch the Ghana and Egypt game drove from uh, Ghana from Accra saying that they could not find tickets yeah. anywhere and they were trying to buy tickets at the stadium and unfortunately they were unable to and they were very you know mm -hmm. not necessarily very happy you know <laughs> of course <laughs> you I mean know? you drove that far absolutely yeah. so those type of problems you know could have been fixed and it, it just looks better when because there was a ton of people that wanted to be in the stadiums mm -hmm. you know I mean, also visually, you, you want more people inside Ab the yeah, stadium. And there yeah. were people that wanted to be in there. Yeah. Unfortunately, there were just some challenges yeah. that they had to overcome. So, Mike, on uh, the, the finals, the Afghan finals, uh, uh, you know, took place on the same day as the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Which one were you more excited about? Listen, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I was torn in two. Obviously, I, I'm going to be frank with you, but, for, you know, watching the finals for Afghan was was. That that's yeah that's prime. That was a crowning moment. That was, uh, right? <laughs> that's something, yeah. and for different reasons. Yeah. Number one, I grew up watching Afcon, mm. so it's always been a revered thing for me. And secondly, once again, it traces back to when I was watching it from the jump of this tournament. How this story just kept unpacking and unpacking and unpacking, and 
it, it, surprising. I had, yeah. to, I had to watch that <laughs> final just to really be like, wait, is Ivory Coast really going to do this? Right. It's awesome. Like, what exactly does this mean? Because there were so many uh, repercussions and implications mm -hmm. to whoever won, wins this AFCON. So, I, for me, I'll say AFCON takes it. Obviously, I was excited to watch the Super Bowl, but AFCON. So, what does this mean in terms of ranking for the African countries, for, for Ivory Coast that won the... the yeah, Ivory Coast, mm -hmm. I mean, from the recent uh, new uh, rankings that we were just looking at... Mm -hmm. uh, they just rose 10, uh, 10, 10, 10 slots. So they went from 49th position in the world 39. to 39. Mm. Um, a bunch of other countries went down in numbers as well. I believe Morocco now is the 12th mm -hmm. in the world. Um, and they went some, up. Yeah, so mm -hmm. all in all, I think for the most part, a lot of countries, uh, they gained from this. You know, mm -hmm. if, the, if you had a decent AFCON uh, run, you your went numbers up. went up. You know, I'm sure Equatorial Guinea, uh, their numbers had to have gone up after the performance. Yeah, absolutely. Did. Similarly with Cape Verde. So some of the bigger storylines, or not so big initially, but to me, after the fact, mm -hmm. they became bigger lines because you didn't expect it from them. I'm sure they'll get uh, rewarded with the FIFA rankings. Gentlemen, before we end, I want to give a plug and a shout-out to Kick It AFCON. Yes, yes sir. podcast yes, that you sir. guys were hosting each week during the tournament. Uh, some of the best content on soccer right we now. com. Go check it out. Thank you, bro. Thank you guys for coming through. Yes, I look sir. forward to having you again right, and Definitely maybe watching Mo yeah, yeah. Kick, kick It. it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Salute! You're listening to Upfront on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani. The African Development Bank has expressed its concern over the rising cost of fuel and other commodities noting that it could lead to social unrest in Angola, Ethiopia, Kenya, and Nigeria. The bank gave the warning in its microeconomic performance and outlook for 2024, even as it projected a 3.8% growth rate for Africa in 2024. The bank also said the increase in geopolitical tensions in Eastern Europe and the Middle East, coupled with the El Nino phenomenon, could trigger supply chain disruptions which could exacerbate energy and food inflation across the world, with Africa more vulnerable to these shocks. Timothy Obiezu has more from Abuja in Nigeria. The African Development Bank's notice was contained in its biannual Africa Macroeconomic Performance Outlook publication released last week. The bank said in its 2024 forecast that energy and food prices increases along with a currency depreciation in Angola, Ethiopia, Kenya, and Nigeria, could spark internal conflict despite Africa showing overall economic growth. The bank also said conflicts in Eastern Europe and the Middle East could trigger supply disruptions, exacerbate inflation across the world, and make Africa's situation more precarious. This as protests over hunger and the cost of living grow in Nigeria. On Monday, Hundreds of people demonstrated in southwestern Oyo State, asking authorities to take steps to bring down the cost of food or resign from office. Security analyst Senator Iribu agrees with the African Development Bank's projections. It's obvious for even to the blind to see that there will be social unrest because the three basic needs of life, food, clothing, and shelter, the most important is feeding. No, nobody can survive without food. And that is where the level Nigerians are heading to. So people are becoming restless. 
In fact, if one tenth of what happens in Nigeria happens to every other place, there'll be serious unrest. But the elasticity of that is being tested. The African Development Bank says Africa has several rapidly growing economies such as Ivory Coast, Libya, Niger, Rwanda, and Senegal. But the bank says performance varies from country to country depending on economic policies. Nigerian President Bola Tinubu embarked on bold economic reforms, including the scrapping of expensive fuel subsidies and floating of the country's currency upon taking office last May. While authorities say the policies are bound to pay off, the immediate shocks are having an impact on the economy. Last week, Nigeria's inflation hit 29.9%, its highest mark since mid-1996. In response, authorities ordered the release of 102,000 metric tons of grain, including rice and maize, to lower food prices. On Tuesday, Nigeria's chief of defense staff, Major General Christopher Musa spoke to journalists in Abuja about the situation. The entire world is feeling the heat. It's not only Nigeria. So it's not only peculiar to Nigeria as a whole. Uh, probably recently we've had a, little, a few riots here and there. Yes. Uh, why I'm happy is that the government too is also not sleeping. The government too is stepping up to, uh, to ensure that um, uh, they address these challenges. Uh, you've seen that uh, greens have been opened. Uh, measures are put in place to be able to provide succor. Uh, all over the country. Uh, the issue of dollar and the exchange rates, everything is tied to it, and that's why we're having these issues on ground. The Africa Development Bank says economic growth in Africa is expected to average 3.8% and 4.2% in 2024 and 2025, respectively, higher than projected global averages in the same period. But protesters say unless they can afford food and life's basics, they will continue to march in the streets. Timothy Obiezu, VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria. And with that, we'll come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to all of you for tuning in. Let's connect again next time. Remember to check us out at voaafrica.com slash upfront. My name is Jackson Bongani. Goodbye, everyone.